Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, hi, and welcome to another episode of The Emma Gunn Show and an episode from The Vaults. That's right, with nearly 500 episodes under our belts, I thought we could revisit some of the conversations from The Emma Gunn Show archive that really resonated with you, but that also cover topics that are central to this podcast, a hunger for knowledge, positivity, overcoming obstacles, and striving to be the best version of ourselves. If you're a long-time listener of this podcast, you may remember when this episode was first published. You may have even listened first time around, but I'm aware that new people find the show all the time. And with hundreds of episodes in the back catalogue, it can be quite the task to catch up. So for this series, I'm bumping these conversations to the top of the feed. My guest in this episode of the podcast is best-selling author and motivational speaker, Jen Sincero. Jen is the author of The Badass Books, which at their core encourage the reader to unlock their potential and believe in themselves. Because it's in there, you just haven't found it yet, maybe. I wanted to revisit this conversation on this series because Jen's books had a real impact on me. When I first recorded this episode, I mean, I was barely making enough money to get by and it was very much a case of every month it was like, am I on the brink of just giving it all up and having to stop doing what I'm doing (laughs) and I was extremely stressed about it I was working for peanuts for people left right and center and still barely making rent and I just didn't want to continue like that but I could not see a way out and it's a kind of stress that if you've been there if you are there it really weighs on you And really simply and really fundamentally, Jen's books gave me a whole new vocabulary and a whole new perspective on what I was capable of. And I was able to make changes over time that got me out of that situation. There is so much in what Jen says, from having a spiritual gym to using mantras and meditation and visualization to build the kind of mental strength and resilience required to achieve your goals. But she also talks about how to connect with money, how to use your words to manifest your dreams, basically the importance of like what comes out of your mouth. Don't put yourself down because you saying it is a message to someone else, giving someone else permission to think it or act on it why it's so important to choose the people you surround yourself with wisely and so much more. I really, I've revisited this conversation several times over the last few years and I regularly revisit her books and I never fail to gain something of value from what she says and how she says it. So I really, really hope that that's your experience to do too, to do. That's your experience too. The links to Jen and her books and much more will be in the show notes, but I'm really excited to bring back Jen Sincero onto The Emma Gunn Show. 
Jen Sincero, thank you so much. I'm thrilled to be speaking to you. I am holding your books, two of your books, because there are more than two, in my hands. And I think one of the things I love about them, A, the colours, and B, the fact that they have badass on the front, which I think was a, a deliberate thing. Is that not true? To sort of change the vocabulary of self-help? Absolutely. Yeah, I needed to stick some irreverence in there. (laughs) Because you have been on this incredible transformation. You took a journey, your own journey into self-help. And is it correct that when you were doing all of that, you thought there's a voice here that I'm not hearing that I really want to hear? Yeah. And, you know, not just for the people who have already sort of drank the self-help Kool-Aid. I know when I was reading self-help books, I wanted something that was a bit more fun and had stories and curse words in it, but I also really wanted to welcome in the people who wouldn't really touch self-help with a 10-foot pole because they thought it was too woo-woo or too, I don't know, earnest or something. So I was hoping to make this information available to more people as well. I've read the books and I find them incredibly inspiring. And am I right in saying that in your 40s you were living in a converted garage? Yeah. And now... Sadly, I'm afraid you are. <laughs> and now you've been, what is it, on the, num- on the is it New York Times bestseller list for over a year, and you are not living that life anymore. Exactly. What was the most, what was the, because the, the thing I get from the book is, it's about changing your outlook and it's about changing your attitude. Was there, is there one thing, is there one moment in time that you can link it all back to where you feel like you're transformation if that's what we want to call it started not really and I and I really believe that um for most people it isn't like you know I almost got hit by a bus and killed and figured out I got to get my life together it was more uh I just woke up it's the same it's the same thing that we refer to as an aha moment you know Uh you can hear the same thing over and over and over again and then suddenly for some reason, you finally get it. Mm -hmm. So I feel like for me, I just got really sick of hearing myself say I can't afford it over and over and over again. And and I woke up and I was like, okay, I am done saying I can't afford it. I am going to get rich. And I really, that was it. I just made the decision. And you didn't have to change who you were as a person to do that. You didn't have to become ruthless. I know in the books you talk about the negative words that you can sometimes attach to money. Yeah, well, I actually did have to make a lot of changes about how I was thinking and how I was acting and who I was being. Mm -hmm. So I had to really become conscious of the words I was saying and the beliefs that I was just taking as truth without really thinking about them a lot. You know, like I didn't realize how much I disrespected money and people who went after making money. Mm -hmm. You know, I thought that if you decided you were going to get rich and focused on making money, that there was something wrong with you, that you had bad morals. I also found out that I believed that I would have to do a lot of stuff I hated to make money. I also believed that um, I wasn't capable of it and that it wasn't available to me the way it was to some other people. You know, these were all things that once I made the decision to get rich, I started doing the work. And the biggest part, you know, the first step is always becoming aware of what your stories and what your drama is around money, because most of it is very unrealized and very subconscious. And uh, it's critical. 
And I read as well, there's, there's the barriers that you put into place, as you say, without even realising it, like whether it's guilt or not wanting to out-earn your parents, because if you feel that you do better than them, that it some, somehow takes the shine off the upbringing they gave you and lots of things like that. How did you unpick all of that? I, I did. Um, well, first I made the decision. So I'm just going to really stress that because it's very important. Um, and part of making that decision is um, being available to be wrong about money being the root of all evil and, mm-hmm. um, you know, the economy sucks and it's impossible for me. So you've got to drop your attachment to those stories. And, um, and I have an exercise in You Are a Badass at Making Money where I have people write a letter to money. I actually mm-hmm. put it in both badass books. It's the only exercise I repeated because I think it's so powerful mm-hmm. um, where, you know, and I did this exercise myself. I sat down and I, you know, wrote a letter to money as if it's a person. And you, it is a very sobering exercise. You know, I learned that, you know, it's like, dear money, I love you. I wish I had more of you, but I don't trust you. And I feel like a dirty whore admitting that I want you. Mm-hmm. And there was so much push pull in there. And it really woke me up to the fact that I had a, I had a lot of stuff going on around money. Most of us do. And you've put examples of um, letters that people who've read the books have written to money too. And there's a a real common theme. It's like a bad relationship. It's a codependent um, problem. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And so it's funny, you know, when you do this exercise, you go from wondering why you can't make any money to realizing, my God, it's a miracle that I make any at all because (laughs) I'm so push pull and all over the place about it. And you also talk about um, the decision to make money is is that that, that, um, flip of the switch is like saying, right, I'm going to lose weight or I'm going to start dating so I can find someone that I'll end up marrying. It's sort of an an instant moment. How How does one maintain that? Because, you know, we all know that we fall off the wagon. These journeys aren't necessarily linear. What's the advice to keep pushing through even when it doesn't feel like it's going to happen or you feel despondent or unmotivated? Well, first of all, understanding that you don't have to be 100% all the time positive and excited and happy and going for it. And, you know, we're humans, we have emotions and there are going to be days where you feel like a giant sucking thing and you don't believe it's possible and you have a big pity party for yourself. So allow yourself that that is normal, Mm -hmm. but you are unauthorized to stay there. And that's where we get into troubles when we decide that this is the truth and it's our reality. And we, you know, continually look for proof that we do suck at dating and that money is unavailable. So Mm -hmm. feel it, but get over it. And then the way to stay on that party train of awesomeness is to go to the spiritual gym, as I like to call it, you know, (laughs) create a practice for yourself. Every single day, um, read a self-help book that inspires you for five minutes, meditate, um, listen to guided meditations, listen to music that pumps you up instead of makes you depressed, you know, Mm -hmm. go hiking out in nature, what, what surround yourself with people who inspire you and make you feel like you can kick ass, you know, but you've got to figure out what is it for you that makes you feel powerful? What specific things is it for you? And you've got to put it in your schedule and you have to do it every day. It's like going to the gym. You've got to work out every day and keep those muscles strong if you want to stay in shape. Same thing with your mindset. You've got to keep it in shape. And just hoping it's going to happen isn't going to work. You've got to have these specific pieces in place to get yourself where you need to go. 
And it's the recovery, isn't it? It's like, like, like you say, have a pity party, but come back to your default position and make that default position a positive one, as opposed to a, oh yeah, no, I'm, I am useless. I do suck. Yeah. And having this spiritual gym practice in place when you're ready to stop feeling sorry for yourself, get back in the game and go to that gym. Do you have muscle memory of perhaps when you were living in the garage where you, do do you remember, do you know if you're slipping back or is it just not even on your radar anymore? Um, you know, it, not really, it really, the financially, I feel like I've been living in a completely different reality for so many years now that I can remember some of the things I was feeling, but, um, I've become a different person in my relationship with money. So I don't, I don't fear slipping back to that level. I definitely, I still have to go to the gym for sure and keep my mindset big and keep pushing myself and stretching myself and getting outside of my comfort zone. But I, I feel pretty distant from the the garage days. Thank God. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I, well, I can absolutely imagine. Um, can we talk about not apologizing for wanting to make money and the fact that perhaps that's more of uh, that's perhaps more relevant to women than it is to men. You made a very good point. I listened to another interview where you said men are raised to be money earners, whereas women not so much. So this is new muscle that we're flexing or stepping out of a comfort zone or into new territory, as it were. Oh my gosh. Yes. I am really on the war path about women really erasing the term. I'm sorry from the majority of their vocabulary. You know, I was in the supermarket the other day and I, I bumped into a woman and she said, I'm sorry. And I was like, really? What for standing there? Like, why are you sorry? And you know, and, and we absolutely shy away from making money in more ways than we realize now in our Mm -hmm. conscious minds, everybody's like, sure, give me tons of money. I'll take it all day long. But we've been raised to think that being successful isn't feminine, Mm -hmm. um, that being ambitious, uh, and confident is bitchy. Um, that it's just, it's not, we have to, you know, that we have to act like men if we're going to be successful. So there's a lot of stuff that is instilled in our very fiber from the day we are born into this patriarchal society mm. that discourages us from being financially successful. And I think it's getting better. And I think there is incredible amounts of power to waking up to our own deep, deep seated beliefs and misogyny that we've all got mm-hmm. and questioning it and being like, Oh, I'm not going to participate in that anymore. And I'm not going to apologize anymore. And I'm going to go for it and be awesome and feminine and powerful. And you're also a life coach. I'm right in thinking you you still do that, don't you? I am not actively coaching right now, but I think once a life coach, always a life coach. Did you <laughs> notice a difference in vocabulary when you were like when you were coaching men versus women? Hmm. That's an interesting question. Um you know, in my own vocabulary or theirs? In theirs. In theirs. Huh. You know, not off the top of my head, but um, I do know that there is a deeper sense of fear and sorrow around making money 
for women than a lot of the men I spoke to. And, you know, that's not to say that men don't have their own challenges around it and their own blocks around it. You know, there's certainly a lot around, you know, you're supposed to be successful and a big breadwinner. I mean, that brings on a lot of stuff for men as well. So they've, they've definitely got their own challenges, but, um, yeah, I think, I, I think women, it comes down to the confidence and, um, the permission to make money for women much, much more than it does for men. And the thing I love about the tone of your book, so I actually, the first book, You Are a Badass, How to Stop Doubting Your Greatness and Start Living an Awesome Life, actually came, dropped in my mailbox on a day when I'd had a very frustrating with a very very frustrating meeting with a very difficult client. So it literally dropped out of the universe into my lap. <laughs> and it was, and I think I wrote a very long Instagram post about it because I think I read it that evening and mm. subsequently stopped working for that client. Oh, awesome. <laughs> and the thing I liked about it was you don't pull any punches. Like you're not going to say, come here and have a cry on my shoulder, Emma. But equally, you are on my team. But you're saying it's all up to you. No one's going to handhold you through this. I can tell you how it works. And you talk about the universe and mantras and all of that kind of stuff. Um but I really like the fact, is that the feedback that you get, the fact that you give people ownership of being able to change their lives and make decisions? Yeah, and I think, you know, and it's funny because I feel like that is also one of the biggest blocks for change is that we don't want to take responsibility. It's so much easier to be a victim to the economy or a victim because your parents told you you were an idiot your whole life or a victim, you know, that, you know, being broke runs in your family or whatever. It's you know, it's quote unquote easier. And, um, however, it's so much more fun when you do realize that you really are in control and that you can change your life and that we all, we all have different challenges. I'm not saying it's the same for everybody, but we definitely all have the ability within us to create what we desire. And when you start to look at that as something that is really exciting and, um, real, you can completely transform your life. Mm. Do you think sometimes people get wrapped up in what other people think of them? They stop realizing or stop channeling what they can achieve. You know, oh, I'm going to start my own business. Oh, but my friend thinks I'm crazy. I don't have the funds. All of those sorts of thoughts just layer upon layer upon someone's drive and just kill it. I think it's one of the biggest joy killers on earth is is kowtowing to what other people think of you and listening to their doubts, fears, and worries, which is why I am such a strong advocate that one of the most important things you can do is to surround yourself with other people who are kicking ass, who have your back, who, when you tell them you're going to do something exciting and risky and daring, instead of telling you the 8 million ways that it won't work, offering you support and cheering you on mm -hmm. and, and modeling for you that, you know, I did it too. You can do it too. I it's so, so, so critical. I listened to another interview you did where, and it, it was one of those moments you said it, and I thought, that's so true. The people who are there for you when you're on the downs and outs may seem great, but actually it's the people who, when you're on the up and you're doing well, who cheer for you, that you kind of almost appreciate more. Yeah, because 
when you're down in the dumps and somebody comes to help you, and don't get me wrong, like I am so grateful to anybody who's ever helped me when I was in the pits, mm. but they get something out of it too. You know, they get to feel like the hero and they saved you and they're helpful. When you cheer somebody on who is kicking ass, especially if you are not at that moment yourself, there's nothing in it for you. Mm. And so my friends and my colleagues who support me all the time, regardless of whatever position they're in, that that is very impressive to me. And, um, and that's the kind of person I aspire to be as well. I think that that really shows a level of evolution that is impressive. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive in June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. <laughs> now one of the things that i have really taken away from your book particularly the second book is um i turned 40 later this year and my podcast listeners i know i keep banging on about it um and there's almost this this element of well wherever you're at now that's where you're going to be because you've had 40 years and if this is where you are then that's what you want I need to believe, Jen, I need to believe so hard that this isn't, <laughs> that this isn't it, that I'm that 40, turning 40 doesn't mean that I'm not capable of progressing or getting better. Please encourage me. <laughs> well, listen, you, you made the right call because I was living in a converted garage at the age of 40. I was $20,000 in debt at the age of 40. I had no idea what I wanted to do with my life at the age of 40. And I am 51 now and I am making seven figures. I'm living in an amazingly beautiful house. I travel the world all the time. Mm -hmm. If my broke ass can do it, you can do it. Trust me. Yes, God. <laughs> Does visual, visualization, visualization plays a massive role in the books and in your uh, journey as it were how does one visualize realistically and in a oh. way that's achievable realistically is one of my favorite words because <laughs> it's so ridiculous think about it realistically if we subscribe to that nothing would get done like realistically could we put a man on the moon realistically, could we build skyscrapers? Realistically, could humans fly? You know what I mean? So it's a really interesting term. And realistically, what is in your heart is the truth. And I know that sounds really woo-woo, 
but it's when we have the audacity to believe in our desires more than what is currently surrounding us. Uh, you know, when, when, when we make the truth, our desires, not our circumstances, that's, that's when we empower ourselves. So, you know, there I was in a converted garage, age of 40, never made a dime my whole life, sucked at making money, didn't know what the hell I wanted to do. I could have latched onto that easily for the rest of my life because I had 40 years of proof that that was the truth. And it wasn't until I was like, I am bored and I am tired and I hate this, <laughs> that I was like, I decided that that was not my truth and that, you know, I made my mantra, I live in an abundant universe and money flows to me freely and easily. I live in an abundant universe and money flows to me freely and easily. I said it all the time, especially when I wanted to say I can't afford it. I My old mantra was I can't afford it. And it was that switching of my focus and that decision to believe in something that seemed so out of my reach and so impossible and so unrealistic, just putting myself in that mode of thinking and saying and believing and focusing raised my energy and it opened me up to all the opportunities that I wasn't allowing myself to see because I was being, you know, subscribing to this other quote unquote reality Mm -hmm. that was my environment. So I started visualizing new things for myself and um, that really is the key is acting as if before the new reality appears in, in front of you. I think you, you talked about woo woo, but I think the, what I love about the books is that yes, you talk about the universe listening, having a glass pressed up to the wall of your um, thoughts and desperately trying <laughs> to catch on to what you're thinking so it can deliver. But equally you are very realistic. And like I said, you know, you're, the, you're the friend who'll say, who'll give it to you straight. And I love, the- yeah. sorry, carry on. Well, I just want to say one more thing about the realism thing. Mm-hmm. If you, if you're making, let's say 70 pounds a year and you want to make a million pounds a year, right? You want to, and, and I don't think that's, I don't think that's impossible by the way. People do it all the time, but the reality part of that is you've got to have an income stream in place. You've got to have a hardcore spiritual gym in place. You've got to go at it like your life depends on it. So you can do it, mm-hmm. but you might, you know, depending on how, how much you've got in place and you can get those things in place, but it has to have meaning behind it. So that million dollars a year, what are you spending it on? What are you doing to make that money? Why is it important to you? Um, when you get into those specific pieces around what you're creating, that's how you empower yourself to make it. So the reality comes in the, you know, the realistic part comes in um, based on your desires. And so back in the day when, when I was in the converted garage, of course, who doesn't want to make millions of dollars a year? But for me, I wanted to get out of debt and I wanted to make a, you know, a certain amount of money that would allow me to buy a car that actually freaking work and to, to move into a much nicer place. So my visualization of all these different things grew as I grew mm-hmm. That's and continues to grow. Very interesting. <laughs> I really like that part of the book as well, where you say you have to crystallize it. Don't just say, I want millions. Say what mm-hmm. you want millions for. Yeah. Because that's where you get the energy and the emotion behind it mm-hmm. because vagueness doesn't inspire us. You know, the second it gets hard, you're going to be like, oh, well, I guess I'm not going to be a millionaire this year. You know, but if you're like, I have found the beach house I am going to buy, I 
am traveling to these specific places in the world and this is exactly how much that is going to cost. I am donating this much money to the charity that I love and feel so strongly about. Those things will get you out of bed in the morning, rolling up your sleeves and taking huge risks to catapult yourself into a new reality. The vagueness will get you nowhere. Yes. Um, Writing lists. Do you journal as well as write lists? I do when I'm not a, a daily journaler, but I am a big believer that writing stuff down makes it happen. And it also, you know, there's two things, writing down the lists of what you desire and focusing on it and reading it every single day, very powerful. And I also think journaling just to discover what hidden beliefs you've got underneath, you know, your conscious mind is very powerful as well. One of the things that you say in the book And it's so true. And you actually give a stop saying this and start saying this, but it's pay attention to what comes out of your mouth. Mm -hmm. And again, it's that universe having the glass up against, (laughs) against you. If you're using the wrong kind of vocabulary or a limiting vocabulary, that's what you're going to get. Oh my gosh. And it's so powerful and it's so stupid. You know, it (laughs) seems so, just because I say that it's going to happen, but I'm telling you, I used to say I am broke about 40, or I can't afford it 30 times a day back in the day. Everything was, I can't afford it. I can't afford it. I can't afford it. can't afford it. And because we love to be right as human beings. So if that was my mantra, I can't afford it. I was focusing on, I can't afford it. And then I would pull into my consciousness, all the proof that I, Jen Sincero can't afford that. Mm. Look at my bank account. Look at the crappy car I'm driving. Look at how Look at my 40 years of experience of not being able to make money. It is the truth. And this is the reality. I can't afford it. And I kept, you know, anchoring it in by saying it over and over. When I made the decision to get rich and changed that to, I live in an abundant universe and money flows to me easily and freely because I was saying it over and I was saying it out loud. I was walking around saying it in my car. I didn't care. Like, The decision to get rich means doing a lot of stuff that makes you super duper uncomfortable (laughs) and walking around saying that stuff made me really uncomfortable, but I wasn't screwing around anymore. And so by saying that I was like, I live in an abundant universe. Okay. I'm saying this every day. How do I see that manifest in the world? Where is the abundance? Money flows to me easily and freely. When has it, where is the proof of that? Where are opportunities where that could happen? It forced me to focus on all different things and pulled into my consciousness way bigger and better things and more abundant things because I was looking for it. Because I think with books out there, like the secret that say manifest. And I remember reading that years ago and just thinking, and I was some some stupid example. Like I want a pair of Manolo Blahniks or something. I was watching too much sex in the city, which is bad for anyone (laughs) um, at the time. But actually it's not about saying I want this. It's about changing your mental landscape to accommodate the opportunities and the pathways towards something. Is that right? It's to say, if I'm asking for this, if I crystallize what I want, then I'm going to see that opportunity that I wouldn't have seen before. Exactly. And here's the thing about that. When you see the opportunity, it's going to scare the crap out of you and be really uncomfortable. So right now, wherever you're at, The thing you desire is available to you right now. You just have to be available to do what it takes. So for me, it was all about money, right? And I never made money and I didn't have opportunity. When I changed my mindset and started focusing on different things, the opportunity was there. You know, the first big thing I did was hire a life coach and she cost one quarter of my annual income at the time. Mm. And I was in debt. I wasn't making money. 
And in the old days, my old mantra would have fit in beautifully. I can't afford it. Next, 10 years go by, still broke, still in the garage. But because I'd made the decision and changed my story, instead of saying I can't afford it, I was like, all right, she's $7,000. I'm figuring it out. And I figured it out and I hired her and then I tripled my income in three months. But so that opportunity was there when I was in the garage being broke and attached to being broke. Mm -hmm. It was more about the availability to see and, and take action on the scary, uncomfortable opportunities that are there all around all of us all the time. And it's not about being reckless either. It's about being, um, and just spending a quarter of your salary on something reckless and disposable. It's saying I'm spending this to make more. You're finishing your own sentence as it were. Yeah. And it's, it, yes. And cause, cause that fear and that discomfort is paired with the excitement of sort of what we were talking about before, like focusing on the goal. Mm. So it's about, is this going to, is this opportunity that is scaring the living crap out of me right now going to take me closer to my goal? And if the answer is yes, you got to jump on it. Can we talk a little bit about rejection and how difficult that is for a lot of us and how when anyone is going out there asking for money for their services or for their ideas that they are going to encounter at some point types of rejection, how how do you coach people to manage that and deal with it? To see it as a stepping stone and to see it as proof that you are getting outside of your comfort zone and be proud of your rejections. If you don't have any rejections, you're not even trying. Oh, that's so amazing. I love that. <laughs> I love that. I might have to get that tattooed on my ass. That is amazing. <laughs> I, I won't, I won't, but you know what I'm saying. So, <laughs> oh, please do. Come on. <laughs> so rejection is proof that you're trying and proof that you're outside of your comfort zone. Amazing. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, I know there's all the stories about JK Rowling submitted the Harry Potter book to, I don't know, a gazillion publishers before one took it up and look what happened. But is it seeing rejection as exactly that? You could be JK Rowling one day and look at her. Well, that's exactly what happened to me too. Mm -hmm. Nobody wanted to publish You Are a Badass. Nobody. And, and now it's been on the New York Times bestseller list for over a year, sold millions of copies. I mean, it's, it's that tenacity and that. How did you, how did you hustle? How did you convince them? How did you change yourself? We just kept at it. So I, honestly, it wasn't a matter of convincing them. It was a matter of standing in my belief that my desire to publish this book and my knowing that, damn it, it needs to be in the world, <laughs> sticking by myself and not giving up until somebody else saw the light uh, is what it was. And so, and not taking the quote unquote reality that every professional in the publishing industry told us that it wasn't going to sell and they weren't going to publish it. Mm. There is no lack of doubt, fear, and worry in the world that people are going to smear all over you. Where you place your focus is the key. So you keep focusing on your excitement. You keep, And that's why going to the spiritual gym is so important. Reading the self-help books, listening to music that pumps you up, going out in nature, hanging out with people who are kicking asses. You have to keep that spark alive mm. because we live in a fear-based society and it will try to smother you. So you have to put the work in to stay, keeping your mindset strong, 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 strong. One I of the love- most important things you can do. 
I love the spiritual gym and that's, that's where you build your mental strength, isn't it? The spiritual gym. Yep. So that's meditation. That's visualization. And also is it the Mm. mantras? Yep. All of that. Daily practice to keep yourself super strong. Now we've talked about the word, sorry, but um, may we quickly talk about the word no? Obviously, we've talked about rejection, but I'm talking about me being able to say no or someone who's listening to this who's being offered a lunch in exchange for their insight or is being asked to write for free or any of those things and being able to say no. Mm-hmm. You've, I've heard you talk before about if you say yes to something you don't want to do, it's, it sends out an icky energy. Yeah, it's about valuing yourself and not coming from a desperate need to be liked. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you really love yourself and value yourself, um, you have excellent boundaries. You understand that when you say yes to somebody out of guilt and obligation, you're not doing them a favor either. I don't want somebody to do something for me if they don't want to do it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So when, but it starts from um, having your own appreciation and respect for yourself, and then that will flow out to respecting others as well. Incredible. Right, now I know our time is drawing to a close, but do we have a Jen Sincero final thought for listeners? What's next? Is there another book? Please, God, let there be another book. (laughs) Ah, there's always another book. Are you kidding? (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, I'm taking the summer to really get clear on what I want to manifest next. I'm, I'm, you know, just, I just finished you are a badass at making money. So I'm going to allow myself to celebrate that and to really enjoy promoting that and sharing that information. It just came out, you know, two months ago. So let's stay with her for a while. And then, you know, um, then I'll get on with the next round. But right now it's all about the badass at making money. It really is. And thank you so much for your time. And also thank you for being the person who wrote this book and put it in my hands because it already means a lot to me. You are a badass. Oh, thank you. Um, Both books are absolutely brilliant. And listeners, the links will obviously be in the show notes to get your hands on these books. So Jen, thank you so much. Where are you, by the way? I know that you're on a time difference and you're back in the States, but whereabouts in the States are you right now? Santa Fe, New Mexico. Well, I bet it's beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) I thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for being on the Emma Gunn Show. Oh, thank you so much for having me. This was awesome. Thank you so much for listening. I really hope you found that episode helpful. If you want to get in touch with me, you can email me at beautypodcast at gmail.com. I love hearing from you. If you'd prefer something a little more informal, then why not DM me on Instagram and Twitter where I'm at Emma Guns. Or if you want to chat to me or thousands of other listeners of this podcast, then you can click the link in the show notes, which can be found wherever it is that you are streaming and downloading this episode and join the Facebook forum. You have to answer a couple of questions and agree to the forum rules, but then you will be welcomed in with open arms and I cannot wait to see you there. Thank you so much for listening. I will see you on the next one. Mm